Well, with that, we enter into the worship of the Lord and also say thanks. It's good to see you both again, and Jane in particular. After that injury to her wrist, she's now back and able to minister with us. Our call to worship this morning is a responsive reading. I'll read the first line, and then if you would respond to me um, in this, it's from Psalm 105. Let us read and respond to the Lord. Give praise to the Lord and proclaim his name. Sing to him, sing praise to him. Glory in his holy name. Look to the Lord in his strength. And remember the wonders he has done, his miracles and the judgments he pronounced. Let us continue to worship, stand if you will, masked, and we'll sing, O Worship the King. a seat if you would, please. Well, greetings this morning as we've gathered to worship both here on site and a live stream and recorded. Uh, I'm welcoming more and more people to the um, live stream. I, people are emailing and saying a family member sent to me a link and we've started watching. So celebration is extending out into the world, all across the country, actually. It's fascinating. So we welcome you. I'm thankful that y'all are careful to stay masked and distanced by working together. We can still be together. Uh, do manage your own risk. Uh, we're figuring these things out as we go and watching things. Uh, because of uh, COVID impact, uh, it turns out that one of our supply preachers was exposed. So I'm going to 
preach at Fusion today and probably next week. I'll do two services. We're going to kind of cover that between Aaron and I and some candidates who are coming in. So each week should be a surprise, but I'll be here next week and we're navigating this. Appreciate your help and uh, prayer on that. Now, another thing that's a little odd to do here in COVID season is budget things. We had a live stream meeting and we've emailed some things out. Uh, We're trying to figure this out as best we can. If you have a question or an idea, don't hesitate. Please initiate. Give me a call. I'll find things out. Uh, Let's work through this. Thinking ahead. Uh, Next week, we're going to try communion again. Uh, If you remember, we did that last month and carefully handed out gloves and masks, individual communion packets. We'll use that again. If you're watching on live stream and would like to pick one of those up, come to the office this week and you can get one. Otherwise, prepare for yourself and you can participate at home while we're here together. Another thing we're doing as we watch caseload and things like that, um, we're kind of navigating and managing our offerings. Our Thanksgiving Day service, which is, has a long and marvelous history, we're going to do that entirely online. So if you come here on Thanksgiving morning, I want you to picture me at home in my pajamas. If that doesn't scare you away, I don't know what will. We're going to put together a service so that you can stay home and safe, but it's an important time to maintain gratitude and to figure out how to extend hospitality. That's what the very first um, Thanksgiving meal was about in Plymouth uh, there in Massachusetts with the pilgrims. Uh, They'd had a very difficult winter, then a prosperous summer, and they invited the Wampanoag folks to join with them and give thanks. Now, you can't have folks over this year, but find a way to extend encouragement. One way to do that, uh, we had an event yesterday that was a fundraiser for Neighbors Plus. I understand there are some carefully packaged cookies here. You can pick one up and either drop some money off in a plate or send some money. We're trying to make sure we keep Neighbors Plus funded and ministering. So a lot of things still going on, uh, and we're finding out ways to uh, do ministry. I was with, and he's not here, so I'll mention Darwin's name. Darwin and I were praying and planning and looking out in the future, and at one moment he kind of shook his head and said, you know... I see a lot of mistakes on the horizon. And I said, that's the best news I've ever heard. That's because we're not going to make the mistake of holding on and waiting for things to go back and be like they were a year ago. We're going to forge ahead. We're going to do it safely. We're going to do it carefully. But I really believe that God calls us to look for where he is working instead of where he is limiting. And so we want you to stay safe. We're looking for ways to extend ministry. Let's together pray and do that and figure out just how to do it. All right? Um, We've been given a faith that's been passed down across centuries. It's the handed to the apostles, passed down through the church, and a great expression of that 
is from the Heidelberg Catechism. For the month of November, we're looking at question number 28. And so let me ask the question, and then I'll ask you to respond in faith. How does the knowledge of God's creation and providence help us? We can be patient when things go against us, thankful when things go well. And for the future, we can have good confidence in our faithful God and Father that nothing in creation will separate us from his love. For all creatures are so completely in God's hand that without his will, they can neither move nor be moved in Christ alone. That's the cornerstone of our faith. Again, with Mass, let's stand and sing three verses. That last line of the second verse that we sang, for I am his and he is mine, bought with the precious blood of Christ. Our adoption as deeply loved children of the great creator king was costly. The gospel is this, that though it's costly, it did not cost me. 
he paid the price. Uh, as we turn to pray, a couple of things to touch. I learned just this morning that Kim and Jane's granddaughter uh, were, was involved in a very serious auto accident last night. She's been uh, transferred up to DeVos and is being observed and doctors are working. Uh, but we want to remember to pray for her. Another thing, it's a past event now, but this past Wednesday was Veterans Day. And if you're like me, Veterans Day is a day set aside for family because I've had family that served. It reminds us that people have stepped out, put themselves uh, in a difficult way often uh, for our benefit. And that's a, an expression to me of, of the hope we have in the gospel. An interesting thing about this Veterans Day, it was the 400th anniversary of one of the most important political events in the history of the world. It was the 400th anniversary of the signing of the Mayflower Compact when a group of people who suddenly faced a new world and no government authority decided it's best that we maintain a government, but a, a government of the people. Very, very significant. And again, we are inheritors of other people's good decisions. So let's remember these things as we pray. Let's turn to the Father who loves us deeply and pray, shall we? Father in heaven, we are inheritors. Help us to be careful preservers and generous givers of the good things you have given to us. For those who have served, put themselves in harm's way uh, through the various military branches, we pray your guidance and blessing and protection for families that see them or remember them. Uh, be encouragement, we pray. Father, I pray for a small band of believers and other people who found themselves in hard times on a small boat outside what we now call Massachusetts. And they took a step not toward self, but toward self-governance. And 400 years later, we benefit from their decision. We thank you for that. Father, make us a people of prayer. Teach us this day as we look at Daniel 9, what it means to pray as Daniel did. So we pray overall for Hardwike, the ministry you've gathered us as part of. We pray for the online service as we work to put that together. We pray for Nate DeWitt, who will be examined this Thursday to be ordained as a commissioned pastor of youth ministry. We pray for our ministry of Neighbors Plus as it reaches into the community and for our children's minister with Laurie as she tries to navigate this new season but communicate your gospel. For Nate and his team as again, they focus on middle schoolers and high schoolers. For each service we pray this day, for Pastor Aaron and Watershed Community, for Fusion that we'll meet later on where I'll be preaching again, and for Mission with Pastor Florencio. We thank you that as people gather both on site and live stream, that your word and your Holy Spirit is not bound or hindered. Draw people to yourself. Father, help us to live in community of encouragement and confidence. We pray for Jerry Baucamp with a COVID diagnosis, that you would be with him as he recovers and AJ as she cares for him. 
for others with medical needs, Father Joan and Jim, Joyce's sister, Kim and Jane's granddaughter, for others that we know. Just take a moment and I'll give you a silent space to, to lift to the Lord names that are on your heart, people and circumstances. Father, it's our habit based on your words to pray week by week for those in authority. And in our cycle of that, we pray for local government and agencies, county commissioners, township boards in Holland City Park in Holland, for Ottawa County with county commissioners and various agencies. But most especially in this moment, we pray for school boards and for teachers as they teach, but now in a new way, manage COVID and care for students. Uh, guide their decisions, give them clear insight, good data, uh, help us together find a way to be a solution in this time. We give you praise and thank you that you work through established authority to your glory and to our benefit. So we pray for them. We thank you that the gospel is a powerful uh, message all across time and all across uh, nations. So we pray for Keith and Debbie Baker, missionaries with AIM International involved in business as mission. Guide and extend their work, particularly into what's called creative access countries. In this season of COVID, fathers, we see cases spike and people infected in our circle. We pray for wise decisions, for careful care of others as we seek to live out loving our neighbor. Guide those who are making decisions, how challenging that is. But thank you that you've called us in this setting and you'll equip us to extend your kingdom by joining you where you are at work. Whether it's a phone call or a prayer, or gift delivered safely. Give us ways to remind people that there is a God of love who's rescued us and who's hope for them. Father, thank you that even now, more than a month away, we know there's coming a celebration of the Prince of Peace. If ever there was a stretch in which we needed your peace to rule in our hearts and in our world, it's right now, Jesus. Come and rule, bear fruit. Make yourself known to us and to others. Hear our prayers, we pray just as Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen and amen. We continue through the book of Daniel. What a timely and kind of fascinating uh, book this has been. Um, each week, Aaron and I are preparing a, a separate set of resources. Sometimes there's stuff we cannot give time to because our time is more limited. You'll find that on the sermon resources, particularly a link from that to another place where we've included some 
um, information and differing perspectives that are out there about the last part of this chapter, the 77s. I had a, I knew of a band by that name back in a previous era. Uh, so I always think when I read about the 77s, I think about their records. But uh, you'll find more information than I'll be able to deal with on that uh, blog site. For this morning, I'll read selected verses from this long chapter in Daniel, but I want to point some things out to you first. You will see a number of different times where the Lord's name is used. Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, Lord. That's a way in English we communicate that the Hebrew text is Yahweh, the name of God that was revealed to Moses in the burning bush. Very important. And you'll see that distinction because they're spelled both ways, all caps, uh, lower case. What's fascinating is this is the only chapter in the whole book of Daniel that uses the name like that. So clue in and see. Second thing you'll see is that Darius is the king that um, Daniel refers to. What that means is that the Babylonian empire Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar is collapsed and gone. And some of the visions that Daniel has had through the course of the earlier books are now actually in process. The gold head from chapter two of the Babylonian empire is gone. And it's the next one. Now the, the ram shows up in a, another vision as well. So Daniel's now into the midst of this. And at this stage, he is a very, very elderly man. So let's look at chapter 9. James, I'll ask you to kind of uh, page through these as I read. Let us hear the word of God. In the first year of Darius, son of Xerxes, a Mede by descent, who was made ruler over the Babylonian kingdom in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from the scriptures according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah the prophet, that the desolation of, Is of Jerusalem would last 70 years. So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and petition, in fasting and in sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed, Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. We have sinned and done wrong. We have been wicked and have rebelled. We have turned away from your commands and laws. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, and our ancestors, and to all the people of the land. Lord, you are righteous, but this day we are covered with shame the people of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and all Israel, both near and far, in all the countries where you have scattered us because of our unfaithfulness to you. Therefore, the curses and sworn judgments written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out on us because we have sinned against you. You have fulfilled the word spoken against us and against our rulers by bringing on us great disaster. Now, Lord our God, who brought your people out of Egypt with a mighty hand and who made for yourself a name that endures to this day, we have sinned. We have done wrong. We do not make requests of you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. 
Lord, listen, Lord, forgive, Lord, hear and act for your sake, my God. Do not delay because your city and your people bear your name. Now, while I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people, Israel, and making my request to the Lord, my God, for his holy hill, while I was still in prayer, Gabriel... The man I had seen in the earlier vision came to me in a swift flight about the time of evening sacrifice. He instructed me and he said to me, Daniel, I have now come to give you insight and understanding. As soon as you have begun to pray, a word went out which I have come to tell you, for you are highly esteemed. Therefore, consider the word and understand the vision. Seventy-sevens, or weeks, are decreed to your people and your holy city to finish transgression, to put an end to sin, to atone for wickedness, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy place. It goes on for several verses from there. But let us pray. O Lord, our God and Father, we thank you for your kindness to us. We thank you that as Daniel sought you in confession and intercession, you made known to him, he recorded and now preserved, we hold these words. Illumine our hearts and minds to receive, guard your people from my brokenness and confusion, but make yourself known and draw your people close to you. For we make our prayer in the mighty name of Jesus and all of God's people said together, amen, amen. Well, Daniel, as we've seen him across these many chapters, bears the fruit of a deeply spiritual life. Think about this. Chapter one, we see that as a young man, probably an early teen, he resolved to trust in God for his provision and not for the king at risk of his life. Chapter 2, he was able to hear from God what Nebuchadnezzar's dream was and what its interpretation was. Chapter 3, we don't even see Daniel because we're getting a look at the people he hung out with. We're seeing his peer group. Wow, they were solid. Chapter 4, Daniel interprets uh, another one of Nebuchadnezzar's dreams, and he says expressly, this interpretation comes from God alone. Chapter 5, Daniel's able to interpret the handwriting on the wall. Remember the spiritual appearance, and out of that, the prediction for Belshazzar's death. It's interesting. Chapter 6 is the first place where we see Daniel praying. It's fascinating to me. Daniel is the sort of person, remember I've talked about when you're in an anti-God world, do you isolate? Do you assimilate? Or do you join him in mission? Daniel, as a model of mission, is a man who is not religious. He couldn't be. The temple was destroyed. But he was deeply spiritual, clearly and deeply drawing from the spirit of the living God, the Lord. And it's not until chapter 6 that we see Daniel pray. We see that part of his life. And we see that he prays regularly. Three times a day, we see that he plays, prays in a place. We see that he prays where people know he prays, because that's how they trapped him. And we see that he is willing to pray at risk of his life. He gets thrown in the lion's den. 
But we don't see him praying until chapter 6, and we don't see him praying again till this chapter. And this chapter, I began to realize, is like we get to sneak in and listen at the door of Daniel's prayer closet, that place that he prayed, at the time that he prayed, with the things that he used as prayer resources, right there, we get to observe a man who bore great fruit in a very anti-God, foreign, different environment. So let's dig in today and see what we can learn and see what we see when we're listening at the door of Daniel's prayer closet. The first thing that's very, very clear is that Daniel's prayers grow out of Scripture. It grew out of a focus on what God had spoken to his people, not his spiritual feelings, what God had spoken. This was from the prophet Jeremiah, and it said specifically, 70 years of Babylonian captivity. Listen to it, Daniel chapter 1. I, Daniel, understood from the Scriptures... According to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah the prophet, that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. So, having done that Bible study, I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and petition, in fasting, in sackcloth, in ashes. You see, friends, Daniel's prayer life grew out of the written word of God. That was the foundation. For us, this points us to the canon of Scripture, 66 books, Genesis to Revelation, all of which, 2 Timothy says, is God-breathed and useful for teaching and for rebuking, for connecting, uh, correcting and training in righteousness, learning how to pray. You know, this summer, we read through all 150 Psalms, one a day. And you begin to realize that the Psalms give us a language of prayer, sometimes in depression, sometimes in fear, sometimes in anger. It's as if God has given us here instruction over every aspect and response in life, how to bring that to the Lord, express it, and find hope and grace and change. Daniel was a man of prayer who bore great spiritual fruit because his prayers grew out of the written word of God. In that written word, we see that Daniel's prayer is based on God's covenant. That is to say, what God had done and promised. Verse 4 reads, I prayed to the Lord my God and confess, Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Now, I want to tell you, God doesn't simply love those who keep his commandments as if keep the commandments and then God will love you. No. Instead, the God of love enables us to keep his commandments. That's how we see the fruit of his grace at work in us. It bears the fruit of obedience. Genesis 12, Daniel, you can picture him meditating on this. What God has promised, I'll make you a great nation, even as they're in captivity now. And what God has commissioned for his chosen people to do and be, all people will be blessed through you. You know, there's a missionary mindset by which you see the Babylonian captivity as God saying, I asked you to be missionaries. I'm sending you to Babylon with good news. God is a missionary God, and his covenant has equipped us and called us to do and to be that. 
Later in Genesis 15, 6, it says that Abram believed the Lord and the Lord credited to Abram as righteousness. There's the gospel of God's grace in Genesis 15. Believe, it will be credited as righteousness. Friends, a prayer that's grounded in God's written word, a prayer that lays hold of God's gracious covenant, that's what Daniel's prayer looks like. And we see, too, that Daniel prayed prayer of confession, both personal and corporate. And this, I wish we had hours more. I'd love to dig into this and let it shape your prayer. It's beginning to shape mine in fresh new ways. Daniel prays, Lord, you are righteous, but this day we are covered with shame. The people of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and all Israel, both near and far, in all the countries where you have scattered us because of our unfaithfulness to you. We and our kings, our princes, our ancestors. Notice Daniel prays more we prayers than he does I prayers. Isn't that interesting? We often think of sin as personal acts of bad behavior. And if I didn't do it, I'm not responsible. How many times as parents have we had kids say, I didn't do it, don't blame me. How many times do we pray like little children? I didn't do it, don't blame me. Look how different Daniel is. It's as if Daniel entered in to the sin of his nation and took it upon himself. Had Daniel ever made those king's decisions? No. But it's as if Daniel says, you know, they did it, but I'm going to take responsibility for it so that I can do something about it. See, that's at the heart of corporate confession. Even sin that's not related to my personal acts of bad behavior. This is mine. I'm going to do something about it. Daniel saw the broken state of the people and said, I didn't do that. But it's as if he then went on to say, I'll own it. I'll confess it and seek God for forgiveness. We're in this together, so I'm going to confess it as mine. Friends, brokenness that affects a people, a city, a region, or a nation needs people who will say, I take that and I'm going to God. It's not about, I didn't do that act. It's about, I'll take this and go to God. I accept it as mine so I can do something about it. I can confess and repent and pray. That's what intercession is. We see this in Daniel. Here's the one known as the most righteous man who has a prayer life that gets him thrown to the lion's den. But he stands before God and says, we are sinners. He's taken upon himself the responsibility for an act he did not do so that he can go to a God who forgives on behalf of his people. It's interesting. I believe that Daniel can only do that kind of intercession because he prays based on God's mercy. 
My favorite uh, sentence in this whole chapter is the second part of verse 18. We do not make requests of you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. I want to tell you, friends, when you start your prayers from a heart posture based on God's mercy, you will be free and secure to be honest about your brokenness and to be able to hear God's call, lay hold of another's brokenness and pray as an intercessor for them. Instead, if you start with your own desires, we often call them needs, but let's be honest, mostly desires, you'll ponder and wonder, what have I done? Have I done enough that I can get what I want? That's a very different posture. Here's my need. Am I good enough? Do you ever find yourself asking yourself that in prayer? Let me save you some error. Whenever you find that inner voice going, am I good enough for this? Here's the answer. No. Just lay hold of it. Own it. You're not. But Jesus is. That's the gospel. Prayer that joins with Jesus is seen as the prayer of a Savior. Join him in what he's doing. When you start praying on God's mercy, it's a whole different place than wondering, am I good enough? Can I pray enough? Do I have this figured out? It's a very different understanding of who God is as well. You know, sometimes there are presenting issues that are based on foundational issues. A presenting issue, do I pray for this? What's the foundational issue? What kind of God are you praying to? If you're praying to a God who expects a certain amount of goodness before you listen, well, good news, the Bible is about a different God. We run to a God who knows our brokenness, who's taken upon himself in Christ, who and what we are. That's a whole different God. It presents differently in the area of prayer, but in the foundation, it's a whole different view. God is not there to exchange what I want for how I behave. God is there to adopt and bring us into his good work. I want to tell you, um, social scientists will talk about a difference between sympathy and empathy. And it's important to note here. Sympathy is, I feel your pain. I see a hard situation, and I'm moved by that. But empathy is different. It's more about, I share your experience. I'm gripped by it, and often I share that experience so that my resources can make a difference for you. Let me give you an illustration. It's easy to live in a nice neighborhood in the suburbs and to watch a Netflix documentary and realize, oh, those people in the other part of town, they've got life tough. I, I'm moved sympathetically with that. I'm going to put a yard sign in my yard. You can be moved by another's plight. You know what empathy is? Empathy says, I'm selling my house and I'm moving into the neighborhood. And then I'm going to know what it's like to hear gunshots every night. And then one time I may wonder, I hear gunshots. Is that people shooting at the police or the police 
at others. What's going on in my neighborhood? Well, if that's what's going on, maybe we can respond. Sympathy is moved from afar. Empathy shares the experience and makes a difference. The book of Hebrews talks about one. It says in chapter 4, verse 15, we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. The NIV uses that very word, empathizes. To empathize with our weakness, but we have one who is tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Jesus didn't stay safe with his heavenly father in heaven and say, oh, you're in trouble. I feel for you. Jesus laid aside his glory, took on human flesh and our brokenness and said, I'm going to do something about this. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25. Therefore, he, that is Jesus, is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Such a high priest truly meets our need. Suddenly, I see Daniel interceding, and I see that he points to a greater, a truer, a more perfect interceder, the Lord Jesus Christ himself, who intercedes perfectly who empathizes in a deep and powerful way because he was born into the human condition. Daniel shows what real prayer looks like, but there's one who comes after Daniel who will fulfill that prayer and who will rise from the dead and who lives and is ever interceding for you and for me. I think I've got time. I'll I'll tell you a story. I saw a short video of a high-profile preacher this week Um, And they were praying. And because I know the person who posted this and saw, I I, I knew it wasn't put there because they were thinking, I'm really glad people are praying for the country. Wasn't put there because they were thinking, oh, here's a good model for prayer I want to learn. It's kind of put there to say those crazy Christians. And I watched that high-profile preacher and my first response was to, but, but I repented of that. <laughs> and my second response needed some repentance too. I, I'm just a sinner. But as I was trying to navigate this thing, it's as if the Holy Spirit said quietly, look how different that prayer is from Daniel's prayer. You've been studying and reading and praying and meditating on Daniel's prayer. Look how different that prayer is. Daniel prays we. This prayer is about I. Daniel confesses this prayer is about command. What I do or I see or I command, what God has done is a different thing and a different starting point. No reference in scripture or covenant or their sin but plenty of prayer against other people and their sin. How different Daniel's prayer was. So here's my closing question. What is your prayer life like? When you pray, scripture, covenant, confession, 
How do you pray? Now, another very fair question, and I don't mind it when people ask this. I'm always glad to interact. As I close up, it's natural to ask, what about the 70 weeks, Bill? I'm fascinated by that ram and the 10 horns and the dream about this and the vision about that. And have you seen next week? I want to tell you something about the 77s. I'm really not sure, okay? And that's not because I haven't studied and read and listened and pondered, but it's because I've come to see that what really matters is that I learned how to pray like Daniel, not figure out the vision that he never got an interpretation for anyhow. Can I look at Daniel's life? Would I like my prayer life to be different? Would God like my prayer life to be more like Daniel's? Could I learn something about prayer from Daniel in this chapter? How do I take that next step? Well, friends, here's Pastor Bill's blue light special. Call me. I don't know what we'll do. We'll talk. I've got resources I'll share with you. We can gather on the phone or by Zoom. We can pray. You pray by learning to pray. Join Christ in his school of prayer when all the other schools are locked down. What if nobody came away today from this with a timeline about the 70 weeks, but someone came away from today saying, I want my prayer life to look more like Daniel's than it looks like right now. Oh, Jesus, how can that be? And him, the one who ever lives to intercede for us, will invite us into his intercession. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, our God and Father, Daniel lived in such a challenging time, and yet we see in him a fruitfulness that must have grown from an extraordinary prayer life. Give us a, a yearning to draw close to you in prayer, to more deeply uh, hear from you, to meditate on your word, to, to hear your voice, to, to take steps of obedience, whatever that might be. But make this a moment, Holy Spirit, I pray, where you give people a new vision and a new invitation and a new hope that from this moment there might flourish a, a, a movement of prayer, confession, repentance for the nation from this very place. For we pray in the mighty name of Jesus, whoever lives to intercede for us and all of God's people said together, amen, amen. Take my life and let it be. Use the words of this hymn as a prayer for yourself. Will you stand?
now received this benediction from the living God, Romans 15. And may the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accordance with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Thank you.